0: You are listening to Hellcat's Hope, episode number 12. Welcome to Hellcat's Hope, the podcast to find humor, healing, and hope. Come along with Hellcat as she explores ways to help you overcome adversity and find your own inner Hellcat. Yes, Hellcat is her legal middle name, and hope is her game, bringing hope to others by showing what's possible. Here's your host, law school grad, motivational speaker, author, and certified life and smoking cessation coach, Lori Hellcat Bamford. Hey friends, welcome to Hellcat's Hope, episode number 12, Tales of a School Board Member. So it is Saturday, August 1st, 2020. It's been a little bit of a rough week around here. Right now it's about seven in the morning. I am supposed to be showering and getting ready to leave to head to Deer Creek High School to watch my son graduate. I'm supposed to be seeing him walk across that stage on the football field. I'm supposed to be handing him his diploma as a member of the school board. That's a wonderful bonus. However, on Sunday this past week, my son started exhibiting symptoms of COVID. He had a loss of taste, And a loss of smell so Monday as soon as I could I had him tested for COVID with a rapid response test and within just a few minutes he tested positive so that was Monday no graduation today no party that we had planned with a few family and friends to celebrate not just Aaron but four of his closest buddies Sarah had been gone for a week so we were not worried about her having any exposure to Aaron however she tested positive for strep throat on Tuesday. Here we are, we've been in quarantine, struggling with missing the fun and the family and the ceremony and all that goes along with that. And you know, this this ceremony in itself has quite a history. COVID first hit back in March. Graduation was canceled. And then a few months later, it was rescheduled to today, August 1st. And so it's just been an up and down experience of we're going to have graduation we're not having graduation okay we are having graduation and as i've mentioned before i was elected to the school board and i was supposed to be sworn in on april 13th i believe it was but because of covid that was delayed until just two weeks ago in the middle of july but i was so excited because i was ready to get in and help The ceremony's been rescheduled. Graduation's been rescheduled. I'm going to be able to see Aaron and his friends graduate and hand him his diploma. But as a result, that's just not going to happen. And in a little over 24 hours, we will be hitting the road for Hayes, Kansas. It's time for Aaron to head off to college. If you haven't listened to episode four, My Baby Has a Beard, you will be quite entertained by some of the thoughts that have traveled through my brain as we prepare to send our first board off to college. So we're going to be spending this time getting ready and packing and moving on. Also this week, the Deer Creek Board of Education made a decision on the processes for returning to learn and Deer Creek's return to school plan. Now, weeks and weeks, months really, of planning and meetings and discussions and reviewing data and thinking about all the different possibilities, that has been going on by the district administration for months ever since this happened, ever since COVID showed up. And even during March and April, when I wasn't technically a board member, I was still able to participate in the return to learn committees that had been established by the administration. And that was so important to me to be able to lend whatever help I could in my position during this process. And so there was a meeting on Thursday and because I'm quarantined, I couldn't be there. I couldn't even vote. But I could lend my statement in support and thankfully the superintendent was able to read that statement and I want to read it for you today. I served on the Return to Learn committee as a board member. Please extend my appreciation to the Return to Learn committee for the extensive involvement the administrators, teachers, parents, and students contributed to our review and decision-making process. This has not been an easy decision but a necessary one to take steps to eventually and hopefully have a more traditional learning experience for our students and teachers. This approach protects everyone the best we can and also keeps students and teachers engaged on a safe level. So about a month prior, Deer Creek was able to offer three different platforms for returning to school. And those three platforms are still in existence. There is the traditional, which would be just brick and mortar, everyone going back to school, just like always. There's also a virtual. If you weren't comfortable with that, we have the ability to virtually teach all of our students. We have made sure that all students will have the devices and the connectivity that they need to engage in this learning. And then the third option was a blended option maybe you want one or two or three classes on a traditional level and then the remainder of your courses would be virtual now for my daughter sarah she's going to be a freshman i selected the blended version she wants to be able to be in band and she wanted to have science as an option to be on campus the rest of her courses she's going to take virtually here from home So those were the three options that still are available to students today. But as the COVID cases continue to rise in Oklahoma and surrounding counties, something different had to happen with regard to the traditional approach. The State Board of Education, the State Department of Health issued some guidelines. There was never a mandate in terms of what districts should do. They left that power and control and decision up to the individual districts. And so Deer Creek, number one, decided to make masks mandatory for pre-k through 12. Number two, Deer Creek is going to offer these three options, traditional, virtual, or blended. And then Thursday, the board approved a plan for those attending traditionally or under the blended version would have any classes on campus based upon the guidelines that have been issued by the state and basically the state of oklahoma has a color coded system based upon the number of positive cases per one hundred thousand people and it is a color coded system green yellow orange one orange two and red right now we are sitting in the orange one category And the guidelines issued by the state provide that if you are in this one orange one category, you should continue your screening efforts, wear masks, and establish an alternative scheduling that provides for greater social and physical distancing. Now, mind you, many, many districts around us are going strictly virtual for the first few weeks, sometimes up to nine weeks of this upcoming semester. Deer Creek wanted to offer something different. Deer Creek wanted to be able to provide something in terms of that face-to-face instruction because it is important. The kids do need to be back in school. That face-to-face instruction is very important in seeing their friends and seeing their teachers. So with this alternative scheduling, Deer Creek believes that was going to accomplish those end goals. So Deer Creek voted and approved for an AABBR schedule. And what that means is half of the students will be in group A, half of the students will be in group B. The A students will go to school on Monday and Tuesday. The B students will go to school on Wednesday and Thursday. And then Friday is remote learning. Now this only applies to the students that selected the traditional option. The options of going virtual or blended also remain. Five days of instruction, and teacher access and learning. Two days face-to-face, three days virtual. So I'm just sharing this because I want you to know kind of where we are as a school district and maybe compare it to the options that are being offered by your school district. Now I had the idea for this podcast a few weeks ago because as these decisions were being made, I was hearing from several teachers and parents, even students and administrators. And so it became clear and I felt led to really have a podcast on this issue. And this particular podcast, I kept putting it off. You know, I mean, this week had its own challenges, but I just was having a hard time delivering the message that I wanted to deliver. You see, I wanted to feel better about it. I wanted to deliver a message that was well-suited and helpful. I wanted to wait until I wasn't so tired and annoyed and quite frankly, angry. I wanted to be in a good place. Well, what I've learned in all this is I can still share my thoughts and maybe expand all of our minds a little bit, even when I'm in a funk, an understandable funk. And that is a pretty good lesson to remember for all of us. You know, Dr. Bertie Sperry, she said recently, actually just this week, she said, you know, some stories are hard to tell, but when you tell your story out loud, it sets someone free, usually the listener and always the teller. So there was Dr. Barry. She's always rescuing me from my thoughts. So today I want to talk about COVID and going back to school. Now, some people have said, good Lord, why would you want to touch that with a 10-foot pole? And of course, these are the same people that said that about me running for school board. Why would you want to do that? Now, let me begin by saying two very important things. Number one, my opinions expressed herein represent only my personal opinions and not any position or opinion of the Deer Creek School District or the Deer Creek School Board. Secondly, this episode will be marked as explicit. I've told you before, I typically don't cuss on on these podcasts unless I get pretty riled up and well, I'm a little riled up. So this may not be for your children's listening, but I think the message is important and I have some behind the scenes experience that maybe many don't. I've seen some patterns that keep coming up. And I keep thinking, man, this is a great lesson in mind management, in civility, in problem solving, and in making incredibly tough choices. These circumstances are ripe for examining the think, feel, act cycle. If you've listened to my other podcasts, and if you're familiar with my life coaching, you know that this is a tool that I use and teach, not just in my own life, but in the lives of my clients. And basically what it says is no matter the circumstance, we all have thoughts about it. As a matter of fact, research tells us we have up to 60,000 thoughts per day. And so no matter the circumstance that you find yourself in, you're going to have thoughts about it. Those thoughts create feelings and those feelings drive our actions, which get us our results. This tool is used to teach people that, hey, the way you think about something is going to drive your actions and get your result. The circumstance does not get you your results. We've got to stop blaming the circumstances for whatever the result is we're getting in our life. It always goes back to our thoughts, feelings, and the actual actions that we're taking. You know, when I thought about running for school board, I thought about it for an entire year. I had served in various leadership positions in the district. I had volunteered with the parent support groups. I served as an officer for the football booster club. And the more I kept thinking about it, and I talked to my friends about it, and though many were telling me, you are crazy, I just couldn't get rid of this feeling in my gut that maybe I had something to offer to help, to represent the true stakeholders of our district, which are the teachers, administrators, parents, students, our kids. And the experience that I've had brought me there. I have a heart for kids. I have a heart for teachers. I grew up one of 11 kids. I have administrators and teachers in my family. I have a lot of friends that are teachers. And as I've shared before, my mission is to love, learn, and be a passionate advocate for fairness and hope. So school board it was. I ran on a post and like I mentioned, I was supposed to be sworn in in April, but I was just sworn in a couple of weeks ago. Now I want to tell you what our district did with regard to this return to learn. Our administration set up a return to learn committee and it's been engaged for a couple of months now and that committee is made up of not just the administrators not just the superintendent and her cabinet but the principals from every school several teachers were on this committee two board members served on this committee we had parents we had community members And what I think is so great and most important, we had actual students. I shared recently something I heard Oprah say in one of her podcasts. And she said in all the thousands of shows that she has done, almost all of them come down to one concept. People just want to be heard. And that's why I'm doing this podcast. We have heard from administrators. We have heard from parents. We've heard from the kids. But sometimes it's hard to hear the teachers and not in my district. I feel like the teachers for the most part have a voice. But sometimes, and, and I've heard this across the board in every school district across the country, they really have to watch what they say because of fear of retaliation, maybe from their district administration, certainly maybe from some parents. And so I wanted them to have a voice in this podcast. You know, we have a Deer Creek Parents page And it has over 5,000 members. And it is a place where you should be able to share information or things that are going on in the school or ask questions. And of course, in the last few months, there has been a lot of discussion about this return to learn. And parents are voicing their opinions loud and clear. And the teachers are on that page. And board members are on that page. And you know, it's so interesting. There's sometimes I read something and... I get that feeling of shock. And, you know, I've, I've spoken about this on prior podcasts of being shocked that someone would say something like that or someone would behave that way. And oh, my gosh. And I noticed this week I was doing that again. And I, I told myself, I said, no, we're not going to be in shock and awe over this. Because when you think about the think, feel, act cycle, when you are shocked that someone has said something, you are distracted by it. You shouldn't be surprised. People talk like this on this page all the time. It's just a different issue right now. But there are teachers on that page. And I think of them so often when these parents are making these statements. And again, I don't think the parents are intentionally trying to hurt the teachers. I just think they're coming from a place of scarcity or fear or worry or anxiety. And so they're not even thinking that Their statements may be having an adverse effect on the teachers. And so I wanted to have a venue where the teachers could share with me what their concerns are about returning to school. What do they need from the community and from parents and administrations? And so I put out an all call and told people they could email me and it would be kept confidential. I wanted to be their voice today. You know, teachers have to watch their social media profiles very carefully. And I get it. And I've heard that from my family members many times. They have a fear of retaliation. Whether that's legitimate or perceived, it's there. There have been several family holidays at Thanksgiving or Christmas. And my older brother at the time was an athletic director and an administration and a teacher And he had a solo cup with iced tea in it. And so, like I do, I'm taking pictures and posting them on Facebook and just, you know, having a good time. And he says, you can't put that on Facebook. I was like, why? He goes, People will think that I'm not drinking tea. And so when I was thinking about this podcast and what I wanted to share for the teachers, I then realized, no, this message is universal. Like, sure, this is going to lend the teachers a voice, but it's also hopefully going to provide everyone an opportunity to figure out how to manage their mind around COVID as we return to school. Now, parents, your voices are clear. Your concerns are clear. You want your kids back in school. You have concerns about needing to get back to work. And of course, depending on their age, they can't stay at home alone. So it creates a lot of anxiety around daycare options. I want to speak to businesses and business leaders. You guys have got to be more accommodating. You have to let remote workers work in the best way that they can for their families. There has to be some flexibility there. And I want to speak to the community and our government. You know, so many times this burden is put on teachers to come up with a plan, to come up with a solution for hungry children or children that are getting left behind or children that don't have a safe home environment. And so all these burdens are placed on the teachers. And I'm just asking that maybe others can step up right now. Maybe school boards and administrations can step up a little better. Maybe parents could step up a little better to help everyone out. And so I asked teachers, what do you want to be able to say? What are you concerned about? If you could, what would you like parents and administrations in the communities to know to help you? And when I was thinking about school boards and administrations, you know, I'm of course I'm biased because I think ours has done a really good job of engaging everyone, of engaging teachers and parents through surveys and this return to learn committee. And so I think they've done an excellent job of doing that. And so I have a message for other school districts out there, and and i've heard this from many teachers they are not engaging with the teachers at all and if your teachers are not at the table shame on you you know i don't typically like to use shame and judgment as a means to get action but i am going to use it here as a means to get your attention if teachers voices aren't being considered parents and the community you need to stand in that gap you need to push your school boards and superintendents to engage with your teachers, to communicate with them, to ask them the very simple question of, what can we do to help? Give teachers the tools that they need. Give them the training. I know that our teachers, have, I think they've been training since April. Now, I know some of the statements that are thrown around out there, it really is a small percentage. Because I receive emails privately from parents that are amazing and supportive and maybe just asking some real questions to get some direction. Those far outweigh the small percentage of people that I am seeing on the parents page. Sometimes I like to call them keyboard warriors and it's not a criticism. It's just They feel like that's the only avenue they have to just put out what's in their mind and there's little to no consequence for it. They can call names. They will say and do things they would never say to your face. They have made accusations against teachers that they just don't want to teach. They just want to keep sitting, sitting on the beach. And of course, after the school board's decision this week, so many things have been thrown around. You guys are stupid. I can't believe this. You've got your head in the sand. You've got your head up your asses. And I'm not exaggerating. These are direct quotes on the page in emails. This is the stupidest thing you've ever done. And other districts in the state are sharing their plans mostly very different across the board districts are doing many different things because here's the deal we don't know we don't know what's going to happen and that's okay and so each district is having to make that decision for themselves and so someone will share something that another district is doing in a different area of the state and instead of just looking at it of course you have people jumping on there and saying yeah this is a good school board they don't have their head up their ass those are the kind of things that are being said And while they are a small percentage, they certainly aren't being helpful. So what do teachers want you to know? First, on the issue of masks, it was universal from all teachers that I heard of that masks are helpful and that they want to try them. With the understanding, of course, we're going to have to have some grace. Of course, it's going to be difficult for the for the littles, as we call them, to be able to keep that mask on. Is it a perfect solution? No. And it's not the only way that we can combat this virus. The approach to this virus is threefold. Number one, wash your hands. Number two, wear a mask. And number three, socially distance. So the masks alone are not the answer, but how can they hurt? We just don't know. We can criticize that, well, they're being contaminated and people are putting them in their pockets. And we can point out all the negatives of it, of how it's not perfect. But we at least got to try. And that is what I'm hearing from all the teachers and parents. Teachers want you to start encouraging your kids to wear the masks. Have you tried to show them? Are you modeling for them? Maybe pull up a couple of videos that show how to wear them. And again, I'm not shaming you. I'm not asking you to be someone you're not. Of course, you can readily admit if you're an anti-masker, if you don't like it and you have your reasons. I get it. And you can admit that to your kids. You know, I don't know about this mask stuff. I don't like it. I think it's a conspiracy. I don't think it works. I don't think it's effective. That's fine. You're entitled to your opinion. But guess what? so many times in life we are going to encounter situations especially as adults where we are asked to do things that we don't like and this is a perfect opportunity for you to model to your children to say yeah I don't really like this but guess what Susie the world is not always going to revolve around us and what we want sometimes we're going to have to think outside ourselves sometimes we're going to have to do stuff that we don't like and let me tell you this you know it's August 1st 2020 we may learn a year from now five years from now that it was a complete wrong decision that the masks didn't help. So far, the science shows that it does. We could be wrong, but I think we're doing a disservice to our children and missing the opportunity to model for them how to respond to adversity. Many of you see the masks as adversity, I get it. But maybe use this as an opportunity to model for them how to respond to it. You know, I always laugh, my son, Aaron, he was an interesting student. (laughs) He was not your straight A student. He had a lot of energy. He was very passionate and very emotional at times with a lot of aggression. And so I had to go to a lot of parent teacher conferences about his behavior. And let me tell you, every single parent teacher conference I went to, I would walk in and I would say, listen, I want you to know, I know my kid's a challenge and I'm going to listen to everything you say. And I'm not here to say, not my little Johnny's. And the teachers always love that. They appreciated that so much because I think most of the time parents come in and say, well, that's not true. He didn't do that. And they're very defensive because they think that it means something about them. They think that it means it's a reflection of their parenting. And what I always try to do and what I find so much more helpful and productive and beneficial to everybody is to go in with an open mind, not be defensive and not think it means anything about you. It's just an experience that they are having with your child that may be different than the experience you're having. But most of the time when they share things with me, I'd be like, "Mm-hmm, I know. And so collectively together, we would come up with an answer and a solution. And if I went in there defensive and shut down and denying, no, not my Johnny. He would never do that. Guess what? Nothing's going to change. It's that whole think, feel, act cycle. When we think that it means something about us, of course, we're going to resist it. But instead to think, hey, I wonder if I could be part of the solution here. Let's just try a few things. Have you watched videos with your kids about the masks? Get on Google. Best way to teach students to wear and tolerate the mask. There's so much information about that out there. You know, one observation I have is if college football players can work out with a mask, so can kids. What else have the teachers said? Please do not send your kids to school sick. So many times, universally shared, parents are sending their kids to school sick masking their symptoms with Tylenol. This isn't funny anymore. Now I get it. I was a single mom for several years and I worked for a company that was not very helpful for single moms. My boss and she was a woman and a mother. She was not tolerant. She was not helpful. She did not care what was going on. Your ass better be there at 8 a.m. Now she had support. She was able to have flexibility but she didn't extend that to anyone else and that's why I want if business leaders are listening please. During this time, especially, be open to something different. So don't send your kids to school sick. Again, this is just not funny. Teachers have story after story because your kids will tell them. Yeah, my mommy gave me the purple medicine, or I threw up this morning. They told me to tell you I'm not sick. You know, this is serious. And the teachers are not just concerned about themselves. Many of them are taking care of multi-generational family members in home situations or outside their home that they have contact with. And so they're just asking, don't send your kids to school sick. Now, what else would teachers say if they could speak freely with you? Teach your kids to wear the mask. Please don't send them to school sick. And they would also ask is that you help and not place the burden of childcare upon them. That is the biggest issue here. When we were making the decision this week, that weighed on my heart the most. And what our parents, especially single parents, going to do about child care but instead of pushing that burden up on the teachers let's really push it back on our employers let's really push it back on our community and our political leaders and representatives why don't they step up you know this virtual learning is concerning there are going to be homes where there are no adults because they have to work i can think back growing up one of 11 children if this was happening My parents would have to go to work. They're trying to put food on the table and a roof over our head. I get it. And it's not a criticism, but that's what they had to do. And so we were left unsupervised. And so school was a safe place. That is where we could get meals. But why does that burden always have to be placed on the teachers? I hope that this is a wake-up call to our government and our communities to step up. And stop putting this burden on the teachers. Step up for your kids. You know, I hear the concerns of parents, they are real. But I want to encourage you to think for just a minute. You could have it much worse. Again, I'm not trying to minimize your anxiety and stress and worries, those are very real. But I want you to pause in the moment and maybe just have a little different perspective. You know, when I first moved into Deer Creek, gosh nine, 10, 11 years ago, I lived in a neighborhood, and I found a rent house there, I was, you know, single mom, Aaron had been playing with his Deer Creek friends in football, and I'd heard wonderful things about the Deer Creek schools, and I thought, I need to get in that school district, and so I had started looking for a rent house, and I found one, and and boy, they were going fast back in the day, everybody was wanting to get in this district, and so I remember I was living in this, in this neighborhood, And they too had a Facebook page. (laughs) And the complaints I used to see just astounded me. You know, I, I was a little bit older than the other families that were living there. When you're a little bit older or seasoned, as I like to say, you've experienced a little bit more of life. I had experienced probably a different childhood than many. I had experienced a divorce, bankruptcy, struggling as a single mom. And in past episodes, I've talked about this, about resiliency. But I would see people complaining about construction workers leaving dirt in the road. Complaints about dogs barking and fireworks on the 4th of July. Complaints about solicitors. Now, this is the one that got me in trouble. People would complain about, there's a black man walking around selling cleaning supplies. There's a Mexican family walking around selling tamales. I mean, literally, this is what people were saying. Complaints about renters. Oh my god, we have renters in the neighborhood. So one day I posted. I said, Oh my gosh, there's a guy in a white truck and it's his steering wheel's on the other side of his car and he's placing materials in everyone's mailboxes. He's a white guy. Just thought I'd bring it to your attention. I was trying to be funny. Well, it didn't go over real well. So I got kicked out of that page. <laughs> but I realized A lot of these people had just never really experienced real life adversity. Or if they had, someone had saved their ass out of it every single time. And so they didn't know how to process it. They hardly ever experienced discomfort. And so when we talk about changing your perspective, when you look at your circumstance, just know that you can choose to think about it however you want. Other things that teachers want you to know. We need to have smaller classes. We need more teachers. If you have unfilled positions, fill them. Maybe relax the dress code for teachers. Cleaning, this was a universal concern. Make sure you have a top-notch cleaning staff. Think about maybe having lunch in the classrooms. These are some ideas that teachers were coming up with. When they were asked, what do you need from parents? Universal response. Man, we need some donations. We need Clorox wipes, hand sanitizers, masks. A common response I heard from teachers or wish they could say, Give your teachers and kids a little bit more credit. Think about how they responded in the spring. It was amazing. They had to figure it out within days, and they did. But give your teachers and your kids a little bit more credit. You know, this is adversity. How are you going to teach your kids to handle adversity? How can you teach them to be okay with being uncomfortable, to be okay with uncertainty? How about we start saying, you know what? We don't really know, but we're going to all learn together. How about approaching this of we are all on the same side and parents, you have choices. There is no wrong choice there. You have options. But if we don't have teachers, there won't be any school. Then you're not going to have a lot of choice. You know, I had some interesting perspectives from other teachers way far away (laughs) One teacher in particular from the Northeast, 12 years, a seventh grade teacher, bachelor's and master's degree, various leadership roles in his district and a coach. And his primary concern, and this was echoed by almost everybody, was the concern about the health of their dedicated colleagues, teachers, custodians, cooks, of course, concern about the students' health and their own. That particular district up North, they were going back full time, five days a week. They had some guidance from their state agency of education. That guidance was go to your doctor. If you're 65 years or older or have serious underlying health conditions, go ask your doctor what to do and just do whatever they say. So they pushed the burden back on the doctor. Many of them fit in that category. So they did. They consulted with their physicians. But guess what? Doctors don't know. She said the data from COVID-19 is too new. It's trickling in. It's making it extremely difficult, if not impossible, to make a safety decision. And they're the doctors. And to add to this frustration, neighboring districts are beginning their year in a hybrid model and are constantly updating their staff and their community with posts via the school websites and Zoom meetings. It sounds very much like what we're doing. But in this particular district, there's no communication. In terms of support from parents in the community, push your school board and administration to seek teacher input in these decisions. It's not happening everywhere. I I think that Deer Creek is in the minority. He shared that even his school board knows very little about the day-to-day operations of the schools. And that teachers' voices are not being heard. Another perspective. A friend of mine, she's got a teacher friend in, I'm probably going to be saying this wrong, Otopi. Namibia, South Africa. His kids come to school when they don't have to work in their village. Here in America we have options. They don't have virtual options. His main concern right now is how is he going to stay in contact with his students? How can he keep that connection? And that is something that's universal. Every single teacher I heard from before they would even share their concerns about what their needs were from parents and administrators is they wanted everybody to know they want to go back. They want to see their kids. This is what they're called to do. This is their passion. You know, when my friend had taken school supplies over there when she visited South Africa, they took highlighters, glue sticks, and other supplies. The teachers had never even seen a glue stick. She had to show them how to use it. This is perspective. And while this pandemic is frightening, there are parts of it that are definitely inconvenient. We have many new things to learn. But we have the tools. You're not like this teacher over in South Africa who's trying to just contact his students and not lose them. I talked to several teachers who are part of the Dallas and the inner city school districts. And the concerns that they have for those students, that's their primary concern. You know, what about the teachers that have kids? What they're having to sacrifice and do, what are they going to do? They have to go to work or lose their contract. You know, think about this. Think about all of the industries and all of the jobs during this pandemic. I know in the state of Oklahoma, we're a right to work state. And so we're most, for the most part, most people are employees at will. They can leave at any time for any reason. But then you have teachers who are under a contract. And if the school district says you come to work and you don't come to work, you're done. You're fired. And so when asked, what can we do? The teachers are universally saying, please step up parents please step up communities and help us be involved model for your children how to wear the mask model for your children how to participate in zoom meetings yeah you can complain about them if you want but maybe around your kids model for them how cool they are and how helpful they are i heard one heartbreaking story from a local teacher here a couple of weekends ago she went to an outside event social distancing i believe it was a play at a park And she saw one of her students there and the student just instinctively ran up to her to hug her. Because this teacher's a big hugger. Actually, I dare you to show me a teacher that's not. Every single teacher I've known is big hugger. And she said how she had to tell her to stay back and she couldn't hug her. And how hard that was and how unnatural it felt. And she thought, that is something I'm so scared about our kids that they're going to feel rejected because I have to say, no, I can't hug you. Parents, help the teachers prepare the kids for this one. Explain to your kids, you know, I know you love your teacher and you're going to want to go up and hug her and your friends. But for right now, we can't. It's really safest not to. So just be thinking about that. Talk to your kids about that. You know, like I was sharing about the parent teacher conferences for Erin, your kid's not perfect. Life is not perfect. Experiences are not perfect. We are not perfect. Teachers are not perfect. We are all just trying to do the best we can. But if we come at this in defensiveness and that what we do is somehow committing ourselves to being right or wrong, that is such a limiting belief and experience. What is the end result that we want in all of this? You know, I hear it all the time. Well, I'm right and they're wrong. I'm right. You're wrong. And if that's what you're going to think, that's going to give you a feeling of justification, maybe a little bit of righteous indignation. And when you think and feel that way, what are you going to do? You're going to focus on how right you are. You're not thinking about solutions or maybe meeting halfway. Again, the common response is, as a teacher, I'm excited and extremely eager to get back to my school. I heard from one teacher who wants to go back with no restrictions, no masks, no alternative scheduling, let's go. And her concern was the emotional impact this is having on students the emotional impact of maybe not being able to be involved with sports or music or their clubs sure these are all activities that have shaped us as adults and one of her thoughts is they're missing out it's being taken away from them I've heard this many times not just teachers but parents too of they're taking this away from my child and I felt that way too when we couldn't do graduation I felt like it was stolen But as you can tell, when I think that makes me cry, makes me sad. I have a feeling of sadness. Think about it in general. When you think about somebody stealing something from you, most of you would be mad. You're going to go want to punch somebody in the face. When you think that something has been stolen from you, it creates a negative emotion. And when you feel that, what do you do or not do? And so the model and this coaching method that I teach, it's not to not feel those things. It's not intended to not be sad. Of course, I should be sad right now. Of course I should. But when I keep thinking that something has been stolen from me, that is not a helpful or serving thought for me. How about this is just what's happening right now. This is uncertainty. You know, I really struggle with uncertainty, as I'm sure many of you do. And so I want to encourage you, maybe this is the time that we practice being okay with uncertainty. Maybe we just don't know. And I know that's hard because our brains are wired to like things tidy. We like loose ends tied up. The human brain cannot stand things left undone or unanswered. And there's a lot unanswered right now. But the power of our mind is so important. The power of our thoughts as they create feelings and actions get us a result. Here are some things that I've seen people saying, we're going to be so far behind. This is going to be a train wreck. This is a disaster. This is going to be a nightmare. When you say those things, how does that feel in your body? It can't feel good. Of course, it's going to create resistance. Of course, you're going to be closed off because you don't want to think about what a train wreck might be or what a disaster it is or how far behind everyone's going to be. Again, this is not about positive thinking. I'm not saying, well, you just need to think positive and let's find the silver lining in the rainbow. No, I don't believe that. I believe life is 50-50. It's 50% amazing, wonderful, and 50% shit. And right now we're in the shit. But when we think it this way, we're going to be so far behind. It's a train wreck. It's a disaster. It's going to be a nightmare. That does not serve us. Instead, I want you to think about what is the end result that you want? Are we going to be behind? Maybe. But so is everyone else. We can always catch up on education. We're damn good at it. You know, the average teacher age in our district is 54 to 55 years old. Our bus drivers are much older than that or more seasoned. There are consistent concerns with taking this virus home to their families. We don't know. Until we do know, maybe we can just try to give our best efforts here. You know, there's a concept in the law of using your best efforts. I draft contracts all the time and people want to put clauses in there of you guarantee that you'll do X, Y, Z. No, I can't guarantee some things. But I can guarantee that my client will use their best efforts. We don't know what's going to happen. But when you live in that constant thought of, we don't know what's going to happen. What's going to happen? Everything's changing. You know, it changes every five seconds. Listen, I get it. That is true. We don't know what's going to happen. But to think about that constantly is not serving you. It may feel so true. I get it. But it's not serving you. Write those thoughts down. But I encourage you to also write down what could go right. You know, put it down on paper. As many of you know, I'm a huge proponent of journaling, and I really encourage everybody to do this. Make a list of what everything that could go wrong. Just do it. But if you're going to do that, make a list of what could go right. Make a list of what you don't know. But if you're going to do that, make a list of what you do know, because your brain is then going to start looking for evidence of what you're thinking about. Make a list of what you're confident and secure in today. Make a list of what you're scared of. You know, when I did this exercise, I found it so interesting. When I was making the list of what I was confident and secure in, looked pretty good. I felt good about it. It felt true. Then I went over what am I scared of. There was something on the list that I'm scared of that was also on the list that I'm confident and secure in. And I found that so interesting. What I was scared of was also in the list of what could go right. And by doing this exercise, I recognized, no, I'm not scared of that. That's just my brain. That's my brain sending up the message and it's not true. When you think these things of it's going to be a train wreck, it's going to be a nightmare. It creates a feeling of desperation. It creates a feeling of helplessness. And when you feel desperate and helpless, what do you do or not do? What's your action? Nothing. Because you feel helpless, why would you do something if you feel helpless? And that's the result you're going to get. No change. Nothing. You know, some people say well these memories are never going to occur if we have a forced closure. All these memories and activities, that's what shapes our children. You know, I had those activities too, and yeah, they were great, but I don't really think they shaped who I am. You know what shaped me? The people in my life, my teachers. But more than memories shaped me, my ability to overcome adversity, to learn how to deal with people and things that I may not agree with, but learning how to overcome, learning how to be resilient, that's what shaped me into the person that I am today. I want us to be able to look back and say man we showed up we managed our minds we looked at what we were capable of when we got out of our own shitty thoughts we got out of the tunnel vision and gave our teachers and kids some credit let's look at the big picture here sure we can raise all the issues of do the masks work I don't know why do some people get it and others don't I don't know why are some nations going back to school and, and we're not I don't know is it a fair comparison between the nations? Instead of trying to be right, why don't we just try to be present? That thought of I'm right and you're wrong, that creates a feeling of justification. And when you feel justified, what do you do? You sit in your righteousness. Fine. Sit in your righteousness. Sit in your rightness. Congratulations. Your circumstance is the same. Who do you want to be in three months? Six months. Who is the person you want to be on the other end of this? And there will be an end. What's the end result that you want? Engage in this future thinking. Engage in present thinking. And what are you going to need to think, feel, act to do that? Another common message for my teachers was communication. Communicate with your teachers. Clear, consistent, timely. I hear story after story of where principals and administration, they're not sending out a single message to their faculty. Thank God that Deer Creek hasn't done that. From what I've seen, we've done the opposite maybe over communicate. I will tell you, and I know it's frustrating, when you keep seeing the same questions over and over, we have to over communicate. We may have to say something four to six times, 10 times, because people right now, their ability to hear and listen is muted by their own thoughts. When they are over here thinking about what a train wreck it is, what a disaster it's going to be, the things that are being stolen from their children, when they are in that thought pattern, they are not hearing and listening. So you may have to tell people things four, five, six, seven, ten times. Be patient with each other. Community help. Where can communities step up? Where can churches step up? Where can other families help these parents that need childcare? Yeah, it's not ideal. But if they're washing their hands and they're wearing a mask and they're trying to socially distance, it's better than nothing. I've had many parents say, well, why are we going to do that? We might as well just let them go to school. No, it would be a much smaller setting, a significantly smaller setting. But teachers want to go back. They want the community to understand that while many advocate for a delay or an alternative scheduling, it's not that they don't want to teach. I have one teacher that teaches Braille. Do you know how difficult it is to teach braille on Zoom? It sucks. It's a skill that is best taught in person. When they can spend time teaching the student, I implore the community to listen to the teachers, defend them and believe in them. Somehow in four months, we've gone from teachers are our heroes to villains simply because they want their lives to be considered in the reopening of schools. Now, teachers, I have a message for you too. A lot of people are gonna listen to this or not. And so there's still going to be people that criticize you and that question your motives. I don't know who's going to listen to this. I'm just a simple girl living in Oklahoma with a podcast. There will be some that listen and disagree and that's fine. Because I tell you this, you cannot control how other people are going to think about this. You can only control how you're going to think about it. You cannot control other people's thoughts, feelings, and actions. People get to do and be who they want. They get to be wrong. They get to choose. But so do you. I want to share something with you. It's an opinion chart that my coach taught me. And it was on how to deal with other people's opinions. And it has been critical, especially this week. The comments and emails that I have received about having my head up my ass. About how I've given in to emotion and fear instead of logic. About what a terrible school board member I am. And I hope that I'm replaced soon. Spoiler alert, I got five years. So you're going to see all these opinions, from people and nasty comments and again we're not going to be shocked about it shock doesn't help shouldn't be surprised but here's what you do you look at someone's opinion and number one did you hear it or see it well with social media yeah you probably saw it if you didn't hear it or see it and somebody told you delete it goes in the delete column their opinion's not important you didn't hear it or see it my momma used to always say don't believe anything you hear and only half of what you see now, let's say you did hear it or see it. Okay, you, you heard or saw this opinion. Do you know the person that made it? No. Delete. That's what I've had to do. Because I tell you what, these people that are making these broad accusations and statements, they have no idea. They don't know who I am. I can't fault them. They have no idea who I am. Most importantly, they're operating from their own very shitty thoughts. Of course, that's going to come out. They didn't listen to the school board meeting. They didn't read the materials. They weren't on the return to learn committee that was made up of 30, 40, 50 people. I don't even know. But they didn't experience the hours and hours of input and discussion and data. They don't know, and I don't know them. So guess what I'm gonna do with their opinion? I'm gonna delete it. When they tell me I have my head at my ass, I'm gonna delete it. Now let's say you do know this person. Do you value their opinion? If the answer is no, delete it. And when I say delete it, that means discard it. Get it out of your mind. Don't think another thing about it. If you do value their opinion, go to the next step. Could it be from a place of love? If not, delete. If it is, think about it and then make a choice if you want to consider it or not. So teachers, when you have the thought of there's just so much unknown, I don't really have a choice. I don't know what's going to happen. When you keep playing that thought over and over and over again in your mind, it's going to create a sense of fear, of course. People have a fear of unknown. That is natural. You're going to have a feeling of helplessness. When you say you have no choice, you're going to feel helpless because you think you don't have a choice. And when you feel that way, guess what you do or not do? You have very limited thinking. You're focused on what could possibly go wrong. And basically you do nothing. And what's the result? You operate in the unknown because you've already told yourself, we don't know what's going to happen. So you're just going to operate in the unknown. I encourage you to think about it a little bit differently. Think about what's the end result you want when you think about teaching during COVID. Well, I want to operate as the capable and equipped teacher that I am. I want to operate as the capable and equipped teacher that I was called to be and that it is my choice. Wow, that's a great result. Now to get that result, what do you need to do? Well, I'm going to make the best choices I can. Great. What do you need to feel in order to make the best choices that you can? I need to feel equipped and to feel equipped, what do you need to think? I am a capable teacher who is called and equipped to teach no matter what. Now, this same model applies to parents. When parents say, oh, my God, there's so much unknown. I don't know what's going to happen. It's the same thing that still creates a feeling of fear. And when you feel fearful, what do you do? You're going to fight or flight. Many of you will fight. You'll get on the parents page. You'll call names. You'll tell us how we're all doing it wrong. Or you'll flight. You'll retreat. You'll do nothing that's operating in the unknown. That's limited thinking. That's focused on what could go wrong. But as a parent think, what do I want the end result to be as a parent during COVID? Well, I want to show up as the best parent I can be. How do you do that? I'm going to make the best choices I can. What do you feel? I feel equipped as a parent. I am a capable, equipped parent who can parent my child no matter what and love my child unconditionally. A lot of people have anxiety. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going to happen. It keeps changing. That creates a feeling of anxiety and rightfully so. What do you do or not do when you feel anxious? Will you focus on the questions, the doubt, the fear instead of answers? Instead, start asking more powerful questions. How can I show up today? How can I find one solution to one thing I feel anxious about? How about thinking no matter what happens, I will show up as a parent and support my child in his or her education the best way I know how? How about that? How about the thought of this won't last forever? How about we don't know, but we can all learn together. When you keep saying everything keeps changing. No, not everything. Write that down. Truth check that. Make a list of what hasn't changed. What hasn't changed is your unconditional love for your child. What hasn't changed is your calling as a parent or your calling and your ability to be equipped as a teacher how about instead saying I will show up and can show up as the capable equipped loving kind teacher that I know to be or parent and if that is a stretch again if that makes you feel like oh that just sounds like you're just trying to put a positive spin on it no use these words I am willing to I am willing to show up as a capable equipped loving kind teacher or parent I am willing to show up and handle whatever happens today. And when you think that, it creates a feeling the total opposite of anxiety. It creates confidence and capability and that you're ready. You know, we all need to be leaders right now. I know some of you may sit back and go, oh, that's not me. Bullshit. We're all leaders in some way, shape or form. If you're a parent, you're a leader. If you're a teacher, you're a leader. And people look to leaders That take people's legitimate anxiety, and it is legitimate. I'm not sugarcoating it at all. They take people's legitimate anxiety about the unknown and they turn it into spiritedness and confidence. That's what good leaders do. Do you think the teachers in Moore, Oklahoma, after the tornadoes wiped out their school and their homes and killed their children and their families, do you think they sat back and thought, any of these things? Well, this is a train wreck. What's going to happen? No, they moved into action. They knew what they were called and equipped to do. And so I just want everyone to consider what is the end result that you want after this? What do you need to do or not do to get that result? And what do you need to feel? And when you figure that out, you'll know what to think. To create that feeling, to drive those actions and get that result that you want. I bet it's not to get on Facebook and bash teachers and other people who think differently than you. And I encourage everyone, be aware of your decision fatigue right now. We're having to make choices every day. And by the end of the day, you're going to be tired. Don't think too hard about things. Understand that this is just a decision. This is just a choice. There is no right or wrong. You're going to make a choice. Maybe that doesn't work out. You're going to learn from it. You're going to make a mistake. You're going to learn from it. Sometimes I think we are so afraid of making the wrong choice or mistake. So in essence, we don't make any. Trust yourself trust your educators trust your kids to learn how to manage through this there's no award at the end of this there's no you win you were right maybe you're listening to this episode five years from now 2025 or a year from now yeah you may be able to come back and say hey hellcat you were wrong but is that what's important is that what's important to prove to people that that you were right and they were wrong i want to close with this you know i'm a huge sports fan My husband and I just finished binge watching Michael Jordan's The Last Dance. And he said something that just struck me. He said, why would I even worry about a shot that I hadn't even taken yet? Why are we even worrying about a shot that we don't know if it's going to go our way or not? But that didn't stop him from taking the shot. You know, at the end of the show, he was talking about his life and where he came from and how he ended up where he was. And he said, it started with hope. It was like just one match. To start the whole fire. But he started with hope. There's a song called Symphony by a group Switch. And it says, even in the madness, there's peace. Drowning out the voices all around me. Through all of this chaos, you are writing a symphony. To me, it's about using adversity for good. About bringing something good and purposeful out of adversity. Using our powers for good. It's easy to use our power to destroy our voices to destroy, to hurt others because we are hurting. It's unintentional, but it's infusing more chaos into chaos. A friend of mine shared, sometimes I find myself getting swept upstream in some of the loudness and I have to navigate toward a calm spot and just listen to the symphony. She wished peace in the midst, backbone for the stuff we have to address, and moments of joy. Try to find your moments of joy. Try to think about what's the end result you want? Stop worrying about the shot that you haven't even taken yet and find your place of hope and peace. Thanks for listening today. Thank you so much for listening to Hellcat's Hope. And if you like what you heard, please subscribe. To book me as a speaker for your next event, work one-on-one as a coach, or find more information on my upcoming book, please go to whatthehellcat.com. Thanks for listening.